Welcome to the Rooted Legacy Podcast. At Laurel Branch Church of God, we are devoted to developing an environment of engagement with Yahweh and hosting His presence attentively. Our hope is to help others become rooted in beloved identity and further the kingdom of God on this earth. From Pastor Seth Klein and the congregation at Laurel Branch Church of God, we hope this message brightens your day and changes your life. We pray that God blesses you and all that you do. Thanks for listening. As, uh, as some of you know, I was, I was practicing with my dad's recurve over the last couple of weeks, and uh, eventually realized it's probably best for me to give up and just hand it back over to dad and let it be a, a wall ornament, you know. So, but the uh, funny thing is, is it, it really, it really probably got the best of me. I don't know. If, I, I, most any of you seen the bruise that I had on my arm, but that comes from repetitively hitting my arm with the string, not just one time. And uh, it seemed to hurt more every time I did it. And then uh, the, this part of my mustache, this is funny, this part of my mustache is thinner than the rest of my mustache. And uh, it literally, I, as I was shooting that bow, that knock point would grab a hold of like four or five hairs in this part of my mustache and pull them all out at the same time. Like, and with yeah, that beard you've been yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would seem like somebody would yell at you and hit me right in the upper lip and bleed and everything. So, um, if you see me doing this, it's just because I'm trying to cover my bald spot in my mustache. And, uh, uh, that's related to that, but anyway. <laughs> uh, a few things I want to talk about tonight, and, uh, really, uh, I shared some of this information that I, I, I believe that the Lord uh, imparted into me. So I don't say information, I ought to say revelation. As it pertains to our direction as a church or a kingdom family. I, the Lord has really been impressing into my heart to emphasize uh, kingdom family. Uh, just because I, I believe that that's really the fabric and that's the foundation of, of church and really what God is wanting to do in the earth that I believe is going to come through. It's going to come through small pockets and small, uh, close, tight-knit relationships and families like this, you know. And and I say this, uh, I know that we haven't grown by leaps and bounds by no means, and I say it on a regular basis. I've seen more people, you know, walk out that door than I've seen them come in that door, but... uh, one thing that I say often, but maybe not quite often enough, is that I really appreciate all of you that have stuck with me over the last five years because I really know that if it's anything like uh, what Brandy has endured for the last however many years, uh, it's, it's been a rocky road at times and probably uh, maybe offensive at times. And it's not that I mean to or purposely offend people. Uh, and I, I will not stand behind the excuse and say, well, I just say, I just tell it how it is because that's, that's really not who I am. I don't tell it how it is in any kind of uh, area context, but I, I will sometimes, you know, uh, I, I will sometimes say things that others wouldn't. I'll put it that way. And, uh, and I don't hide behind the pulpit or the ball. Uh, matter of fact, and I don't say this any any type of, of uh, I don't brag about this, but I really believe sometimes that that I'm 
I could be one of the most transparent preachers that I know. And I know not a lot of preachers, but I do know of, you know, a handful here and there. And uh, I don't know any of them that would disclose some of the stuff that I disclose to you on a personal matter, you know. I mean, I, I really sometimes just share my heart with you. And I even share my failures with you on, on several instances. And, and uh, you know, because I think my weapon is the same as everybody. And, and if you read the book of Hebrews, if you read the Bible at all, God will chastise those that he loves in order to bring them closer to him. And any time that I am being, and I don't want to use the word punished, but any time I'm being corrected. See, I mean, a lot of people, but a lot of people can't look at correction without saying punishment. I look at correction and understand that, that correction is grace. And so I say all that to say this, this is a new year and, and probably getting off to this or uh, with this to a late start. But anyway, I, I wanted to disclose and discuss some things that I've felt and heard from the Lord in regards to this new year. Uh, one, one thing is that in 2018, the beginning of 2018, I never, never discussed or I never studied what 18 represented in the Bible. And for some reason, that's not normally like me. Usually I'm very analytical and I begin to study things that you know probably don't pertain to anything, yet they do uh, pertain to me. I feel like a lot of my revelation and a lot of my study time is really me putting myself in a position for God to uh, uncover uncover me and yet reveal me. So I do a lot of studying, a lot of studying that I don't even really record. It's just, uh, maybe it's meditating, maybe it's reflecting. Uh, it's uh, 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 I mean, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Contemplating on something, you know, observing something very intently. And, you know, not everything that I study or everything that I re receive from the Lord is for the church. Some of it, if not most of it, is for me. And uh, I know that it's in my heart somewhere, whether or not it's on, on paper anywhere, I don't know. But I never studied the, the, the numerical symbolism of. Uh, 18, and I, I really believe that it was a God thing to me for me not studying 18 because 18, 2018 was a very difficult year for me. Not that it was difficult for me to preach or difficult for me to share my heart with, but it was very difficult for me in the in the way that I really lost my identity. And it wasn't that I lost my identity. My identity that I had conjured up and constructed and had built up was stripped of me, and it was actually done by God for my benefit. Because God finally, uh, you find God finally used that circumstance and that that ill, that that circumstance and situation or illustration, if you will, to lead me into uh, to lead me into the security of my identity, who I was born originally. Uh, to be. So sometimes we get off course because we feed into our own hype. We feed into uh, hype that others speak about ourselves. You know, I say this on, on a frequent basis. I say, you know, that flattery is most dangerous to a prideful man. Because a man that is prideful in and of himself 
hears one word of flattery and it goes too far to his head. And they begin to believe that hot. They begin to believe that that false word uh, that is being spoken over them. And it begins to lead them, guide them, direct them. And actually, uh, you know, we know what pride does. Pride cometh before a fall and often is before destruction. So a prideful man is doomed. And I believe that there are uh, seductive spirits out there that are looking for prideful men who have not walked in the humility or the maturity, I should say, of humility. Let me say that again. There is a maturity of humility, and it is a mature man that walks in humility, but it is an immature man that does not know how to walk in humility or submission. So thank God that the Lord actually in 2018, as suddenly and as soon as the clock struck 2018, I raised up and said, I thought I knew. I really thought I had it going. I thought I had a plan. And I thought I knew who I was. And all of those things were stripped to me in a moment. And it took months for me to, to in and through my conversations with God, begin to see uh, a glimmer of who it was that I was actually created to be. I was not created to be in the limelight. I was created to be in his light. Because he is the light of the world. And therefore... I too in the lower. Here's something that we've got to understand about lights. Okay. So many that are arrogant and prideful like to be under the spotlight. So the spotlight means that there is something elevated above you when you were therefore on an elevated platform that then begins to emphasize and embellish your figure, your appearance. Amen. The Lord started dealing with me on some stuff after we left here Sunday about appearance. See. You can have an appearance, and like with Jason in the illustration that I used, he and I have completely different appearances, completely different silhouettes, kind of, uh, you know, completely different look in regards to appearance. But I can also make an appearance, you know. I used to go around telling everybody that I like to be fashionably late. Why? Because you make an appearance. See what I'm saying? So there is how you look and there is how you show up or there's something how you perform. You know, so-and-so is appearing one night only in Charleston. Say it be uh, uh, your favorite music artist or whatever, okay? So the Lord was actually, he had actually taken away my identity. I don't remember where I was going with this, to be honest with you. I had got so far twisted out of the way. But he, he, he unveiled it. He actually, he removed the identity that I had begun to develop and construct and put together so that through humility, he could eventually reveal to me who I was actually intended to be from the beginning. Uh, so I really don't know where I was going with the whole appearance thing anyway. I, I'll find it'll probably come back to me later. So 2018, all of this happened, and I did study what it meant, and, and, and 18 particularly. But 18 is a number that a lot of theologians and a lot of uh, Bible scholars believe according to evidence and stuff that they study. This is not my, this is not my studying. This is not my uh, research. However, I, I use every avenue. If it's a resource that I feel is uh, accurate, I'll use it. But most Biblical scholars and theologians believe that the number 18 actually represents bondage and oppression. 
And I believe that the reason the Lord did not send me into a study to study the, the, the numerical significance of 18 or the biblical significance of 18 was because I would have been so caught up on the, the, the oppression and the bondage aspect of it that I would not have pursued finding myself in him again. Because there are some things, especially, see, now let me, let me share this nugget with you. We get so fixed on the bondage and the oppression that that's the only thing that we can focus on. So, so many times, so often, we get so fixed on the bondage and the oppression that we fail to look above the bondage and the oppression and see the one who walks in an anointing that will break every yoke. That will break every bond and every 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 bad bond of bondage. Why is he crying? Help him out there, man. See how easy that was? Help your brother when he's in need. So, so, so many times, so often, we will become so affixed and so enamored in the, the, the bondages and the oppressions that we face that we, that we fail miserably to fix our gaze upon Jesus whose eyes are as the one as a fire. And, and, and when, we fix our, uh, when we fix our gaze upon Jesus, it gives us a spiritual assurance to where we then absolutely walk upon the head of the adder and upon the head of the lion. But anyway, there was a reason and I felt that it was that God had intended for me or he reserved me rather I should say from pondering too much and too, too intently on the year of 18 or 2018 in the oppression and bondage because I believe that it would only amplify the, uh, the unclarity and the uncertainty that I, I was already in. So I believe that I was shielded from the understanding or from the revelation of this is the year. Because I really, in a lot of things, 2018 wasn't the best year for a lot of people. Uh, but I really believe now that this is very significant that we went through, or at least I went through, a year that represented bondage and oppression, completely unaware of the bondage and oppression. Because sometimes, really, that is our reality that we're so unaware of the bondage and oppression that was meant for us because we're walking in the liberty and the freedom of the spirit. And if, I want you to remember that because I'm, I'm actually going to discuss that here in just a few moments. Some of you already know that I heard four decrees from the Lord going into 2019. On the last day of December in 2018, I was sitting in a field in one of my most favorite places in the world, Monroe County, and I began to hear the Lord just begin to, to pour into my spirit, and I heard four decrees, four decrees from the Lord. One decree, or the first decree, was this, come out from among them. And, and there's, there's a whole lot more significant to this uh, than, than what we see in the beginning or just see from the surface. So the first decree I heard was come out from among them. The second decree I heard was be loose and let go, you know. And, and I know that there's, there's, some, there's some Lazarus come forth kind of stuff going on there. But the Lord really began to reveal something else to me as it pertains to uh, be loose and let go. 
Thirdly, the word of the Lord or the decree of the Lord into to my sphere as it pertains to this church and this kingdom family going into uh, 2019 was walk in the spirit because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And fourthly, the decree that the Lord gave me was to owe a man nothing but to love him. Okay, can y'all help me remember these four things because I'm going to have to, you're going to have to help me here in just a minute. So, 2018 was symbolic to oppression and bondage. 2019 is very significant because it, the 19 is symbolic to faith and hearing. Okay, now let me explain to you why faith and hearing come hand in hand because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I declare that we believe what the Lord has said to us, about us, and is saying in on our behalf for us. I believe that he is defending us when the accusers come to accuse us. I believe that the Lord has said of, of us that we are the beloved and no more the ashamed. I believe that the Lord has said that we are highly and uh, we are highly favored and blessed above all. I believe that the Lord has said of this people and of this church that we are a jewel, a jewel hidden within the field. And I heard the Lord speak to me and say, I have found a jewel hidden in this field that has caused me to come back. I will come back because I have hidden you. I will come back. And, 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 and I will redeem you. And in, in the process of me redeeming you, you have caused me to desire to buy the whole field. And the Lord shared with me and says, one day when my glory comes down upon that church that nobody sees, that everyone has overlooked, I will cause the landscape to be illuminated with my glory. The Bible says that one day that all of the earth will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as do the waters cover the seas. And I believe what better place to start than here. Okay? Why, why would we think that it has to start in a church on the other side of the, of the nation, on the West Coast? Or why would we think that it has to start in, in, in a church down in the Panhandle or in the Carolinas or wherever it may be? Why not Laurel Branch, West Virginia? Why? Because, look, you've got to look at Jesus. Nobody expected the Messiah to come out of a comfort to son from Nazareth. Nothing will come good out of Wyoming County. Nothing will good to come out of Laura Frank. But yes, it will because all good things come from God. And I believe that God is sending an inheritance of his riches and glory into a people that are willing enough to receive it. And if you're willing enough to receive it, I promise you, listen, I can preach till I'm blue in the face. You can say, well, it never came to pass. I can stand back and say, I said what the Lord told me to say, but you didn't receive it. I, 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 I spoke a word in here Sunday that I argued with God. I said, I done gave that word to another region in this county. He said, yes, you did. Exactly the way I told you to give it to him. He said, but it ain't your fault that they didn't receive it. Hmm? If the ground cannot receive the rain, it is nothing but runoff and muddy water. But if the ground will receive the rain and soak it up, it will then prepare itself. It will prepare itself with the conditions adequate enough to, to, to take or receive seed and then re reproduce fruit. You have to have a heart. Well, let me say it this way. You have to have an ear to hear and eye to see and a heart. 
to understand what God has in store for those that love Him. You've got to have an ear and an eye and a heart. And you've got to be open to what the Lord is sending. What did I tell you about the mountains? The mountains in and of themselves done nothing. They exerted no energy of themselves to produce the mighty forest that an eye cannot see the end of. And the mountains did nothing to produce streams that gushed out from their depths because the rains had stopped. But yet, but yet, the Lord said, if my people, he's speaking to me to speak to you, and I am stepping into a prophetic role that I have avoided for years. But I believe that the Lord is saying, if my people would just receive within them what I have poured out upon them, then what is within them will become a gushing stream of living water into the regions that surround them. I believe that word is of the front and of the Lord today. I believe that. And I have positioned myself to not move until I have received within my spirit and within my essence what the Lord has, has promised me that he was going to pour out upon me. I stutter, but I don't care. I, I really don't know where to go from here because there's just so much going on in my, in my heart right now. But 2019, faith and hearing, okay? What was the first word that I said that I heard from the Lord and that's what pertains to this church? Somebody help me out here. I know what it is. Just seeing if you're listening. Come out from among them. Uh, that, that scripture, the Lord took me to the scripture in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. No, excuse me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6, 17. Messed up right there for a minute. Actually, I did not study these scriptures. The Lord just gave them to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. In the King James Version. Let me know when you get there. King James on here. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate. We love that part of that scripture. Come out from among them and be ye separate. The religious, the, the religious people of the church love to say, come out from among them and be ye separate. Why? Because they don't mingle with them. That's a pharisaical mindset. Don't mingle with them. Don't, don't commune with them. Don't conversate with them. Don't even be associated with them. Don't be acquainted with them. Completely remove yourself from anyone who lives a sinful lifestyle. Remove yourself from anyone who doesn't believe the same way that you believe. And there are churches that will go so far to tell you not to commune with the church down the road because they're preaching something a little bit different doctrinally. But we're missing the point, trust me, when I say this. We're missing the point of what Paul was saying here, or what Paul wrote, saith the Lord. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Okay? And touch not the unclean thing. Okay? But listen, here is the best part. You've got to understand that when the Lord says to you, come out from among them, be ye separate, touch not the unclean thing. 
It is not as it is not a call out of as much as it is an invitation into. You with me? Let's repeat this with me. It's not so much a call out of as it is an invitation into. Somebody want to finish that verse for me? Say it again. And I will receive you. Come out and I will receive you. We missed the point there. It's not, it's not so much a call out of something as it is an invitation into something. You come out from them and I'll give you an invitation and receive you into me. So when the Lord speaks to me going in or trans, trans, transitioning, excuse me, man, Lord help me, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Touch me. When we're coming out of the transition of 2018, oppression of bondage into 19, faith and hearing, the Lord begins to speak to me, hearing, faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What thus saith the Lord? Come out from among them. The Lord then begins to share with me before I ever went and researched the scripture the way that I have now. The Lord says, you're missing the point here. He said, it's not, this is what the Lord speaks to me. I'm just giving you the overflow of my conversation. It's not so much of me calling you out of the world as it is me calling you into my presence. Amen. If he calls you out of the world, where are you to go? Huh? Because the Christian life that I have observed of people coming out of the world but not going into the spirit or going into the presence of Yahweh is a miserable lifestyle. It really is. Hmm? We have nothing to live for but maybe one glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. I will, I will run that in the ground. Because that's the way I really feel about this. I got saved 20 years ago. I got saved uh, about 12 years ago. And I just want to be honest with you. One of, the, one of the things that I was most worried about was I couldn't be funny no more. Somebody said, why, you can't, why can't you be funny no more? I said, I can't use cuss words anymore. I was funny when I could cuss. So I don't know about that. But the guy looked at me and he started laughing. He said, I think you're funnier now. I'm pretty funny. I will admit it. I scared y'all half to death. Y'all afraid to breathe. Wait, I'm afraid I'm going to say you're making too much noise. Then I say something funny and you won't laugh. And I'm like, find up, guys. Okay. <laughs> Laughter's good medicine. I don't make y'all sick to death with worry. Now I'm trying to cheer you up with a little bit of laughter, okay? And there's one guy just hoping I don't talk about your head. And another guy don't want me to talk about how tall he is or vice versa. I don't really care about that. So again, it's not so much as a call out of something or a call out of someone, but it is, however, an invitation into his presence, okay? So come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now listen here. 
Okay, I, I want to share something with you, then I want to jump up a few more scriptures here. The Lord began to share with me something about how if we would continue in our pursuit for a deeper devotional intimacy with Him to the point that He becomes the only thing, therefore, that exists within us, then if He is that which exists solely within us, then what exists within us then exists without us or around us. See, the book of Colossians, and I think it's in chapter 2, says that what is the hope of glory but Jesus in us or Christ in us. The, the Amplified Version says in us and among us. Well, really, if you look at that, in us and among us would actually be translated just as good if, if we said Christ in us and around us. So if we will pursue Jesus or we'll pursue God so devotionally or so, if we will pursue God so committed in the devotional place of intimacy and secrecy to where we do not care whether we, listen, and I know this is a lot of weird language, but if we would pursue him to the point where we didn't care if we existed, only if we existed in him, that he would be the only sole thing that existed within us and the consequence of him being the only sole thing that existed within us means that we would exist within his realm. Salah. That if we would pursue him intently enough and with an intensity and a fervor to where we would begin to, to not care whether we existed but only that he existed in us and that if he began to be the only sole thing that existed within us as a consequence then we would only then therefore exist in his realm and presence. So what the garden, the garden scenario was God in Adam, but Adam in the presence of God. God was in Adam, and Adam lived and dwelt in the presence of God. So the presence of God was in Adam, as well as the presence of God was as in Adam, was around Adam. He walked in the presence of God. Why? What, what happened that caused Adam to no longer be permitted to walk in the presence of God? He stopped seeking the presence of God so intently with a with a almost a carelessness of whether he existed or not, because he became so so conceited in his own existence that he was no longer permitted to exist within the presence of God. That's really something we there are a lot of sad scriptures in the Bible, and I think sometimes the book of Revelations is one of the saddest ones. Or the book of Genesis is one of the saddest books because it actually shows us that man was created to walk in the cool of the day with God and that he came and he communed with his own creation but his own creation became so conceited in their own image and prideful nature that they forfeited their, uh, their uh, access. They forfeited their permission to walk in the presence of God. That's sad to me. Sad. Utterly sad. But God never desired a, for man to not have permission to be in his presence. He so desired you to be in his presence that he left the realm of heaven and came down in the form of a babe 
in a manger who lived on this earth for 33 and a half years and knew that he was going to do this from the foundations of the world so that he could reconcile you back into his presence, humanity and divinity back together. We've got to understand this is Bible and this is the Bible. This is better than, you know, he's going to come back and return in the cloud of glory when the last trump sound. This is better than that because he, your theology says you've got to wait to walk in his presence. My theology says I've got to wise enough that his presence is already available. And if I will seek him to the point that he exists only in me or solely in me, then I therefore will exist in the, the presence of his realm. I don't want to wait for a rapture. I want to be enraptured in his presence, but I do not want to have to die to do it. I died once to live forevermore. See, you don't understand. My rapture is not going He done raptured me up into his bosom. It's up to me to accept it. Hmm? Do you know what my rapture was? Come out from among them and be ye separate, and I will receive you. And you know what? I'm so confident in my rapture, I'm not worried about the other one if it exists. I'm not worried about one bad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. I don't need to fly away. I'm walking with him. I'm telling you. I wish, and I, I mean this in all humility, I wish I could take you for a stroll in my street one day and let you feel the presence of God and how he has come down into my in, into my existence. And what did I do? Nothing. Nothing. I just leaned in and said, what will you have me do? What can you remove from me that keeps me removed from you? Huh? What can you remove from me that keeps me removed from you? And you know what my greatest sin was? My identity. My personality and my ego and my pride, let me stroke that ego a little bit more. Let the wrong person come and say you're bigger than this. Let the wrong person come and have good intentions, but let the devil take what was meant for good and let him twist it and manipulate it. Why? Because flattery to a prideful man is poison under his soul. I was dying for the poison of flattery. But I could the, the, theatrically make you think that I was a humble person. Let me assure you now that when the tears stream down my face, there's no theatrics. There was never theatrics when the, when the tears were stream down my face. But there was theatrics when I would start kicking. And there was theatrics when I would start jumping. And not very often, but they were still theatrics. You can tell that there's theatrics in someone's voice when they pretend to be concerned. Listen, I, I, I don't know. I mean, this, this hurt my heart because I really thought it was a good thing. I don't, I'm not doing Facebook right now, but I decided because I wanted to brag on God a little bit. At least that's what I felt and I thought. And I sat down and I made this, I wrote for 20 minutes and I mean, Listen, it, it, was, it was good. It was good. I was giving God all the glory for the things that we've been able to do ministerially, ministerially uh, 
And I was giving him all the glory. And I was saying all that we've done throughout this year was for God. And all that we were able to accomplish was because he had blessed us in accomplishing it. And I had made it, and, and, and I was going to sign it at the bottom, sincerely say it. And as soon as I, I mean, literally, I was fixing a few typos and I was adding a few things here and there. All of a sudden, the blood, the screen on my phone went blank. And I panicked and I said, God, that was good. What, why, why did this happen? And I went in and told Brandon, I said, you're not going to believe what happened to me. Literally, I was, I was hurt. My heart literally physically Elderly. It hurt because I was I was confused. Why did this happen? It was just like it nothing. I mean, I don't I can't explain it, but my phone, I thought my phone had went dead. I hit the home button and everything popped back up and I was like, oh no, please, 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 please. It was gone. I was sharing some revelation that God had given me. I wasn't asking for money. I wouldn't dare do that. But I was going to brag on God and this little church of the accomplishments that, that it has and that God has done in this year. I mean, 2018, it was not a horrific year. It was a glorious year. But we've we, we done some things that were pretty, pretty astonishing. I'm, I'm proud of this church. I'm proud of this church and the people of this church. And I wanted to brag. And finally, I, I, I was standing at the kitchen sink, and I don't even really know really what the conversation consisted of or even persisted or uh, consisted of or pertained of. But finally, I just said, you know what, God? Okay. And I felt better. Okay. Okay. And I really feel in my spirit that the reason God did that because when he sends supernatural favor and supernatural blessing, he can say it's not because you influence somebody to send you money. He says because you trusted and you had faith in me and you walked by the Spirit because when you walk in the Spirit of the Lord, you're walking in freedom. And I can't be free when I'm worried about where my next paycheck is going to come. I'm, you know, and at least I don't know if you get any kind of, that, that, that's, that's, that, that happens to me on a regular basis. When I think I'm really doing something, and you know what? <clears throat> You know why God continues to chastise me the way that he does? Because I accept it as grace. Try it. The next time you feel like throwing a temper tantrum, and if you're anything like me, that's about every five seconds. Really. At least, I mean, really, I handled it well. Because there was been a day I would have threw that thumb as far and as hard as I could have threw it and would not have batted an eye if it would have broke I handled it. I handled it well, but I was still hurt. I was hurt because I felt that something had sabotaged me. And I was telling Brandy and Branson, well, it's the devil. And I didn't say this, but in my spirit, I said, not in my house, the devil didn't do that. Because the devil doesn't have authority in my house. Because the devil doesn't have a foot to step in my house. Because my house is guarded by the anointing that breaks the yoke. So not in my house. So God had to have done something. God had to have intervened. Because maybe, just maybe, just maybe, I would have begun to allow a root of conceit to take a hold of me. And 
I'm okay with that. I'm okay with what God is doing here because I don't think that God really wants us to sit in the limelight. And I'll explain this. I, I got off on a little, little, uh, maybe that's where I was with an appearance. The limelight likes to expose, or we like limelights because limelights or spotlights expose our, or expose our appearance. But you know what the difference is between somebody who likes to sit or stand under a light and somebody that likes to position themselves under Jesus? The light that is in Jesus becomes the same light that is in you. And when you begin to shine into darkness, it protrudes out of your being and not down from another source. Hmm? So the limelight gets you nowhere. Because the limelight comes from another source that is generated. But when you get into the light of the world, and the light of the world gets into you, then the light that you shine in the darkness that is the world is generated from within you. So therefore, the same light that shines down upon you is the same light that shines from within you. So if we will receive in us what the Lord has poured out upon us, or in this case, if we will receive in us what he has shown down upon us, the light of the world will shine from within us. Come on, somebody. I don't know if this is this is touching you the way that it's touching me, but I'm ready to let my light shine. And I don't need to position the spotlight so that it shows my good features and my good appearance because there's nothing good in me. There is none good but God. But yet God liveth in me and God operates through me and in me and therefore the things that I do is just like a tree planted by rivers of water. Everything that he doeth, it will prosper. Amen. Prosper. And I'm not teaching prosperity by no means, but I'm telling you what, I believe that the Lord is opening up access to the inheritance that is only received by way of his riches and glory. Guess what? It means that you've got to walk in something. That something gives glory. Contrary to popular belief in the church, it's not your glory. It's his and his honor. You know how I walk in his glory? By glorifying him above all other things. Hmm? If I will humble myself, he will exalt me. That principle stands true. But if I exalt myself, he will abase me. Hmm? So if I will glorify the Lord, the Lord will then allow me to walk in his glory. We've got to understand that nothing that we're doing in 2019 as it pertains to church has anything to do with what God actually intended when he, when he birthed the church in Acts 2. Nothing. Well, I'm going to go down there and see what they got to offer me. Yeah, you know what they were doing in the, the, the early church? They were selling all that they possessed and bringing what they got in profit and laying it down at the apostles' feet. And everyone had, uh, everyone's needs were met. That's what they were doing. They were knocking on doors and going house to house, breaking bread and praying. And the Lord was adding to the church daily as such should be saved. They were casting out devils. They were raising the dead. They were walking in the light, and the light was shining through them into the world of darkness, and they were illuminating the absence of Christ in their vicinity. Because when they came, listen, you've got to understand that if Jesus isn't going where you're going, then we're doing it all wrong. We're going somewhere we're not supposed to be. You know, listen, if Jesus is supposed to be in me, and if Jesus is in me, therefore wherever I go, Jesus is around me. And if Jesus is around me, he's got to be around hope too. I'm not waiting for Sunday morning to come into the presence of Jesus. 
I don't want my day to ever be separate from Jesus. See, it says be separate from them, not separate from Him. So whatever separates me from Him, I ask Him to remove it from me. Just like I said earlier, remove anything from me that keeps me removed from Him. I don't. I, this is, I mean, I, I I know that there are some people that do they 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 really they like their church. And when I say church, I mean, I like, they like their flavor. You know what I mean? It's got to be their way. Isn't that McDonald's slogan? Have it your way? Right? McDonald's? Super sizing. Yeah. Super sizing. It's, it's not your way here. I promise you that. It's not your way. It's not my way. You know, because there's only one way. His name is Yeshua. The way, the truth, and the life. But now, it, you know, it's a, we, we have churches that have, you know, uh, color by number. Dude, I, I was in this, man. I got, I'll show you books in my house that I put together, three reminders, and I had this, I had it color, I had it separated by color tabs. Care ministry. And, and, and you would go into your church and you would find people that were devoted. But, you know, you, you had to teach some leadership skills. They had to be faithful. They had to pay tithes. Uh, they, had, they had to be spiritual people. That, that's not really all we, what we were looking for. We were looking for people that were actually pushy. <laughs> huh? Sick them. That's what we were doing. Sick them. Sick them. They, if, and, and what we would do is or what the, what the plan was, is I would give Emory a binder, and he would have a list of 10 people in that binder. I mean, if I gave him a list of 10 people in this church, that's everybody. <laughs> but, but he was asked to take these 10 people under his watch. And if one of those 10 people or any of those 10 people didn't make it to church on Sunday morning, he had their phone number, he had their address, and he was asked to call them by the end of the evening on Sunday, no, no, no later than Sunday or Monday evening, and get the lowdown on why they didn't come to church. And it wasn't because we were concerned that they didn't come to church. We was concerned that they wouldn't come back to church. And if they wouldn't come back to church, then we couldn't count their behind in our pew. This never went anywhere. I'm just saying this was this was the intent behind all of this. And he had a checklist. I made a checklist. This is what you ask him. This is what you say if they answer this. Uh, and and so and then this is this is the pastor's report. Or this is my report that you bring back to me that lets me know why they didn't come and the serious that I'll call. We were we were people pleasers and people chasers. That's what we were. And it was also that I could sit them on you to make you feel important, yet you not really be important. It was it was the uh, it was a lie that convinced you that you mattered, but you really didn't matter. It's a scam. And it, and and, and to, I, I was thorough. I had every number at every hospital within a fifty mile radius. If you find out they're in a hospital, this is the number you call them. If you, if you get a hold of them, you call me. 
And then when I call them the pastor will call them, we'll make them feel like they're, they're, they're a part of this church and they're a part of this family. This stuff like that was it was all intended really to make the church grow in numerical uh, in numerical value and not spiritual value. Listen, I don't I want to raise a bunch of people. I don't even know what I want to raise a bunch of people. I want to raise a group of people that don't need to call the hospital or don't need to call the pastor to call the hospital. They call the hospital and have prayer over the phone and that person is completely healed by way of what was spoken over the phone because the phone wasn't the only word place it traveled through. It traveled through the dimensions and Jesus heard it at the right hand of the throne of God and said, Dad, we've got to do something because there's an urgency in Jason's voice and we need to touch so and so because I know that when he prays, he means it and there is trouble and I have already said I have overcome every tribulation that you will face and encounter. We've got to do something. Amen. Everybody's got their pastor on speed dial. Hmm? I don't care about calling me. I really don't. I'm just, please do. But I'm just saying that there, there's, there's the systematic manipulation that conjures up this false sense of belonging that really is not sense of belonging at all. That's how games work. You know that, right? An older person in a game adopts a younger person on the street as a prospect and makes that, that younger uh, prospect think that this is their family and that nobody loves them the way that these people love them. But yet, but at the age of 11, they got them on the street corner selling drugs, carrying a Carrying a pistol. Hmm? That's that's the way that's the way the Taliban works. That's the way ISIS works. That's the way extreme is or extreme Islam works. They recruit people that feel abandoned and feel alone. It's the same concept that we're doing in the church. But guess what? The radical Muslims and and the gangsters are doing it better than we ever could. Why? Because it was never meant for us to do it through propaganda. It was never meant for us to do it through manipulation. It was meant for us to do it through sincere loving them through compassion. It was meant for us to do that. It was meant for us to bring people into the kingdom by loving them the way that the king does. Amen. Not using them and manipulating them and writing them up as a number or a tally mark on my, on my, on my wall. So where am, I, where am I at with this? Come out from among them. Be ye separate. Touch not the unclean things. And he will receive me. He will receive you. It's not so much an invitation from out of as it is. It's not so much a call from out of as it is an invitation into. Get the junk out of the way. You know what I believe the unclean thing is in 2019? The systematic church. And I really, 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 really has to end that revelation and I will go over as soon as the Lord permits me to. Uh, I'll just give you a little bit of information. To, uh, three Sundays ago, I wasn't preaching. But at 4 o'clock, I don't know what I was doing at 4 o'clock in, in the morning. I probably went to the refrigerator for some Oreos and milk. I don't know. That's typical of me. So I opened up the back door and I was looking out. And for some reason, my mind is weird as it is. I'm sitting there for free. Recalling all of the pets that we've had since Brandy and I have been married, uh, even since we, we, we've been dating, and I have named 
99% of our pets, and I was bragging on myself, but you know what? I'm really good at naming animals. True story, really, it is. I'll, this is so dumb, I can't even make this up. I'm sitting there looking at the darkness, and I'm looking at the, at the you know, the tops of the trees and stuff, and I'm sitting there thinking about, man, I, you know, I named a diesel. I named one Midnight, named one Macy, and the other one Miss Gray, you know, Macy Gray, I don't know if you're, and uh, then I named one Jazzy. And I, I named a bunch of them, and I, I thought it was a pretty clever name. And I heard the Lord say, Zerubbabel. And I'm like, well, okay, well, it's not really a name I would choose, but anyway, so Zerubbabel's pretty cool. I come to church on Sunday, that morning, just, you know, uh, what, six hours later, and Frank began hunting. It was in a Sunday school class. It was in a Sunday school lesson. And, and Frank begins to read, and, and I'm going to play it in a minute. <laughs> Zerubbabel. Imagine that. It was in the next lesson. It was in that lesson and the next lesson. Zerubbabel and Joshua. As in case you missed it. As in case you missed it. Well, I was here the next Sunday school. Yeah, I was. I was actually in both of those classes. And uh, so, anyway. What was I? Why well, was I talking about Zerubbabel? Help me out. Yeah. Well, it was brought in the Sunday school, too. Mm-hmm. Brought in the Sunday school. Going to the dog's name. Going to the dog's name. Going to the cat's name. Zerubbabel. What did I say before that? Well, I mean, before that, you need to have somebody to think about You got it before Pastor Yeah, before that. Why did I go to the Zerubbabel route? I said I wasn't going to teach it to the Lord uh, uh, for me to be a teach, but I was, huh? system and out of Babylonian captivity. 
So I really believe that there is a word of the Lord being spoken and not just in this body that is very, very accurate on the subject of come out from among them and be separate. And I really think that there's a word of the Lord that is, that is, that is ringing in small congregations, maybe large congregations, to say exit the Babylonian system. Because the Babylonian system is symbolic to the world system. The Babylonian system is, is very, very, very symbolic to the control of debt. Do you know what debt is? The debt is a slave master, and debt will force you and drive you. That, that's, what, that's what debt does, and that's why I believe that the Bible is specific on that, the, to, owe, to owe a man nothing but to love him. And I think that the greatest treasure that we can ever, ever inherit from the Father is not monetary, it is not material, it is actually the love of God flowing through us, therefore we can love like him others. I believe that's the greatest gift that we can ever have, and that's part of the word of the Lord that I've heard uh, as it pertains to the law of ranch, that oh, a man nothing but to love him, but the greatest treasure we can receive from God is the love of God for ourselves and to love others the way that God loves them. To love the family and the community with the same compassion and love that God loves them through us. I believe that's the greatest treasure. So, I really want to go further with this cerebral stuff. I really do. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold that up for another day. That is really cool. Really cool. And I'll throw you a bone. The, the name Joshua, the high priest, Yahushua, is the same word as Yeshua, which is the same name for Jesus. And that means God's salvation. Do you remember me talking about that we should be walking in the identity of salvation? That salvation is his name, and his name is my identity because I'm walking in the identity of salvation. Yeshua. Anybody remember saying that? This is a little trick question to see if you've been listening, but I'm not going to make fun of you. I'll just say that, that I, I said that. I said it on a couple different occasions a couple months ago. This is the Lord confirming to me that I'm hearing from the Lord. And that's how it operates. So we got come out from among them, and I think I covered somewhat adequately. Oh, oh no, oh, amen, nothing but to love him. Uh, the second one was be loose and let go. And this will kind of go with what I talked about last Wednesday. The Lord kind of revealed to me that the, one of the most dangerous hindrances is unforgiveness. And with the same capacity that we hold unforgiveness or we hold others to, uh, or we hold others to fault, that then becomes a fault of our own. So if we cannot, if we cannot loose, then we will not be let go. Okay? When Lazarus comes out of the tomb, he says, loose him and let him go. Because the grave clothes was the thing that restrained him from walking in freedom. The grave clothes of the modern day church is unforgiveness. The thing that hinders you from walking freely in the presence of God is the bondage of unforgiveness and we have got to let it go. To be loose from unforgiveness, we got to let go of unforgiveness. Embitterment will grow a strong bedded root in your heart and it will produce the fruit of the sycamine tree. I discussed that last Wednesday. 
to be loosed and let go. To hold no man to the bondage of unforgiveness that you yourself would not be held by the bondage of unforgiveness. So I say this, going into 2019, if you have beef, grief, or a grudge, let it go. In the wise words of Elsa, let it go, let it go. All I know. It's all I know of that song, but I have heard it a million times. And the third one was walking the Spirit of the Lord for where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. I really believe that when we begin to walk in the Spirit of the Lord for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I believe that it is affirmation to the promise that if we walk by way of the Spirit, we will walk unhindered by the realm of the earthlies because we will be simultaneously in the earth as at the same time we are in the heavens. And if we are, if we are walking in the freedom of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord, we are walking in the apostolic authority and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I believe are needed in the day that we're living in. I don't believe that there's anything that will free the church from the bondage of the system more so than the apostolic authority and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let, let, me, let, me, let me share this with you. If the Holy Spirit is prevalent in a church service, then I will not have to entertain you to keep you appeased. If the Holy Spirit is in the presence of a congregation, you will not need to be pacified. You will not need to be comforted, for His name is Comforter. Hmm? What will be the greatest advancement or the greatest what will cause the greatest advancements in the church age? It will be men stepping out of the way of the Holy Ghost. What will cause the greatest advancements of evangelism? What will cause the greatest advancements of the church? It will be men stepping out of the way of the Holy Ghost. There will be days that I don't believe that anybody will ever have to preach a word in this church because the Holy Spirit will be so prevalent and the Holy Spirit will come in with ministrations. The Holy Spirit will minister to needs and I'll step back and just glorify God with the rest of you. I believe that. I believe that with every fiber, every excuse me, every fiber and the fabric and the essence and the depths of who I am. I believe that every word that I've spoken here tonight was from God to me first, and then from God to me to you. I believe that. I believe that. such an intention so deliberately 
Some there's 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 a big difference, and there's a disqualifier called unintentional. Do you know what I mean here? God does God's not looking for unintentional encounters, he's looking for deliberate encounters. Unintentional disqualifies you from the encounter. Because God will not haphazardly trip over you while you trip over yourself. Now he will pick you up, don't get me wrong, but it's not he's not ready right now. No, I'm talking about people that want to walk in the earth with an authority. I'm, I'm not talking about, and this is what David said, I'm not, he's not, I'm not talking about a sinner saved by grace. David says, I'm not a sinner saved by grace. He said, I'm a son walking in righteousness. Guess what? Guess, guess what that, that, that prodigal son had to do? He had to get up out of the pig sloth and dust himself off and say, you know what? Even the hired servants have a better in my father's house. I'm going to go. And he rehearsed his lines all the way home. Father, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. If you will just, if you will just let me be as one of your hired servants, if you will just let me come back into your home, I will work for you for, for, for minimal wages. If you'll just accept me, if you'll forgive me for I've sinned against you and I've sinned against God. And the Father welcomed him with open arms all the way to the point that he dressed him in his choice robe because he was a son clothed in righteousness. He did not haphazardly trip over himself and therefore the father tripped over him but when the father saw him deliberately walking back down that driveway he met him and he threw his arms around him. you got to understand when I say God will not allow unintentional encounters he's looking for deliberate encounters and deliberate encounters are those that are striving those that are endeavoring there's got to be a pursuit When we pursue Him, let me, let me share this with you. I believe this. Am I where I'm supposed to be? I tell you no. But I assure you that I am not the same man that talked to you on this Wednesday of 2018 and I will not be the same man in this, on this Wednesday in the year 2020 because I am going from glory to glory to glory so much so that most people are even unaware. Because I've got a pursuit on the inside of me to the point that I know that what I am pursuing will then become the sole existence therefore on the inside of me. You will begin to walk in the identity of that which you pursue. How do I know? I just proved it. When the son began to pursue the father, the father covered him in his very own identity. Somebody can say amen if you want. So there's got to be a deliberate, a deliberate pursuit. And there's a consequence of you deliberately pursuing Him. When you begin to deliberately pursue Him, He deliberately fills you on the inside with His presence. And therefore the overflow is Him in you and Him around you. So therefore greater is He that is in me than He who is in the world. Let me, let me cover just some of this real quick. And I promise we'll go home before midnight. Okay. 
I'm in I'm in 2 Corinthians 6. I'm gonna but I'm gonna jump up to verse 14. Most of us know this. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Say that with me. For ye are the temple of the living God. Now say it this way. I am the temple of the living God. He dwells in me. I can shut up there on and never talk to you again. That's probably the greatest thing I've ever said. You are the temple of the living God. He is in you. He dwells and resides on the inside of your heart. Somebody that's been to church needs to get a hold of this revelation. I'm not talking about this one. Completely. I'm talking about the church across the board. We got to get a hold of this revelation that Yahweh lives inside my heart, that the Holy Spirit has come down and has quickened my mortal body in the same way that He raised Christ from the dead. I am alive and I will live forevermore. Because if He was the one that was dead but lives forever now, then that's that 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 pertains to me too. You understand what I'm saying? Now let me let me tell you. Look, here's a revelation God gave me. Some of you may not receive it, but I received it. I was in my truck about that. You know what? Jesus looks upon his time and says, No man can take my life, yet I lay it except I lay it down. But if I lay it down, I'll take it up again. You know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me? So the same thing that applied to him applies to you. And a man cannot heal you unless you lay it down. So therefore a cancer cannot. A cancer cannot heal you, son. He said, the Holy Spirit said that nothing can kill you except you allow it to. Why? Because I'm born again. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm telling you something right now. No man can claim my body. No man can take my life except I lay it down because Jesus looked upon his power and said, bro, you can't do anything with this that I don't do. I don't allow you or permit you. But guess what? I'm going to lay it down, but I'm going to take it up again. He laid it down so that I never had to lay it down in that way. I laid it down at his feet. I didn't have to go to Sheol, nor did I have to go to hell, because he went to Sheol, the grave of hell for me, and he went to the cross for me, and he ascended into the heavens to the Father for me, and because he did all of that, he lives on the inside of me, and the church has got to get a hold of that. Man, I'm telling you, the church is dead, but why? I listened to some Leonard Ravenhill. If you ever want to listen to some, you need to listen to some Leonard Ravenhill. Yeah, that clip I sent you, I don't know if we got this, because he made a joke out of it, but that ain't why I said it. He said, it's sad that the disciples, the apostles, seen everything that Jesus did for three and a half years of their lives. And beyond the cross had forgotten all that he had taught them. He walked with some dudes on the road to, them, uh, to Emmaus and they told Jesus everything about him but was completely oblivious to the fact that the one they were talking about was the one they were talking to. Leonard Ravenhill says it's sad that they had forgotten everything that they had been taught by Jesus. He said, but I tell you in the name of God, it's a 
of the last book and you know that he is the resurrection. You know that he is alive. You know that he is coming in a cloud of glory with ten thousands of his saints and yet we sit in a church pew on Sunday morning with like a bunch of dead dragon bones. I know that he's alive and I know that he's a resurrection and I must know that I have been crucified with him and as Paul said, oh that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death but his death does not define him. His life after the resurrection defines him in the same way that my life is divine after the resurrection of his. He lives in me. Come on. That's the gospel, but nobody's preaching it. Why? Because then I will begin. If I preach the, the point that dead bones get up and raise, who's going to listen to me? Maybe that's why everybody's walking out. It's dead bones raising up. Hmm? We're okay with preaching the dead bones as long as we can count them as bodies. Y'all thought I was going to let you go, didn't you? I promise this is it. That was like my third or fourth climax of the, of the, of the sermon. So let's, let's go on. It felt good to say that. It really did. I liked that. It felt good to me. Sorry. Okay. He wanted the temple of God. I, know that I, I like these people over here. For you are the temple of the living God. I want to emphasize one word there. Apart from God. Living. You are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Let me jump back to what he just previously said. He said that you are the temple of the living God, and God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. from Jesus. I mean, it's that and that. There was Jesus, there was Billy Graham, there was John the Baptist, and Paul the Parsons is in there somewhere. I don't know. I'll let Jesus sort out the order. But Jesus is number one. I think Jesus already sorted out number two. He said there's none born of women uh, in the kingdom that's greater than John the Baptist. So I think it's, it's a fight between Billy Graham, Geneva Miller, and Paul the Parsons. It's a fight between those three, and I'm not getting anywhere near that. I want to let Jesus sell it. Y'all still with me? My Bible keeps flipping on me. 
he will be a father unto you, and he shall be my son, or I shall be a father unto you, and he shall be my son and daughter, says the Lord. Okay. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? But there's a lot of people that need to get a hold of verse 15, but there's a lot of people preaching that they've never first seen. There's a statement I heard a long time ago, and I, 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 I cling to it. There, there's, you know, there's some that were called and sent, the others just got up on men. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Esaias saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? And verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I just want to give you this and hope that it resonates in your soul as faith. I don't know the lyrics to the song that Brian sang Sunday. It's a more Bible song. Uh, the lyrics somehow go on to say, I know what you have said of me, I believe. I need you to understand that in order for you to receive what the Lord says of you, you have to believe what the Lord is saying of you. And I honestly and all, with all sincerity, believe that the Lord has said of this church all the things that I have <coughs> revealed to you this evening. I believe that the blessings are being sent. And I pray that by faith and through faith we receive them. I believe that the Lord has called you beloved son and daughter. I don't believe the Lord is calling you faithful church attendant. I don't believe the Lord is calling you good tithers. Those are great attributes and qualities in any Christian. But I believe the Lord is calling you beloved. And he is calling you back into his arms so that he can clothe you and he can rightly identify you in righteousness. And because you are identified in the identity of righteousness, then it then allows you to become an heir to the inheritance of his riches in glory. Paul said that I pray that he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. There is, there, we have to understand that we are going from glory to glory glory to glory. There is a realm of glory that is greater than this realm of glory, but there is a greater glory than that. Would you agree with that? <clears throat> I'm pretty, I'm, I'm giving you all quite a bit tonight, haven't I?
go ahead and stand. But I, I can speak from the heart and say that I, you may believe what I'm preaching, but you're having a hard time thinking. You have, you're having a hard time 
coming to the realization that it can apply to you. But when can I preach like that? How can I pray like that? You failed already. But God can use it all. Our vision for the Rooted Legacy podcast is that we give as much free content to God's creation as possible. However, if you've been affected by God's word and would like to give, you can do so at Tithely Online or on the Tithely app. Just search Laurel Branch Church of God. Our address is Clear Fork, West Virginia 24822. That is tithely.ly.
T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you and all that you do today.